Welcome to another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the green. I am Ken. I am the beige. And this is another edition of the Green Beige Podcast. First, let us um, apologize on behalf of our guests. We did tell you that we were going to have a guest with us this week. However, um, at the time of our recording, as we always tell you guys, we record this on Tuesday evening. And the gentleman who was to join us, he is in England. And as a result, it is a seven-hour gap between where I am and where he is. Now, the time of this recording is 7.26 p.m., which will be 2.26 a.m. And I do believe he has fallen victim to the Sandman and the <laughs> jumping over the fence. But... In any case, we are here to keep you guys entertained, and that is what we are going to do. AJ, how is it going, my brother? I'm all right, man. As usual, you know my complaint, just trying to trying to deal with the weather here. <laughs> it's really hot. It's literally hot and cold. Yeah, it, it, it's to the point where some businesses may be actually closed tomorrow because or or Thursday because of like a little um rain and snow and whatnot and yesterday was up to the 70s so good times yeah you see i know you tell me about my weather in colorado right <laughs> we're a little bit apparently we're a little bit more consistent than you guys are when it comes to winter because every week we've had snow mm. we've had some snow that started i think last night and then it dusted a bit this morning it dusted some more this afternoon so mm. It's supposed to dust again tomorrow. It is what it is. This is the time that, like I said last week, we need the snow, we need the wetness, you know, the water to come down because mm. this is supposed to be the desert. And this being the desert, it, the last thing we need is for them not to have any water at all. And then, you know, that's true. Me. True. All right, so this week we are taking a break from the football stuff. We'll have the football stuff back tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. we have it next week. But this weekend, this past weekend, was the NBA All-Star Weekend in Cleveland, Ohio. And boy, did the stars come out to play these last few days. The two teams met up on Sunday night. Team LeBron went up against Team Durant, who were missing their captain, Kevin Durant. Um, first, it was announced he was not going to play through injury, and then it was announced he was going to miss the game due to the passing of his grandmother. His absence, however, did not put a damper on proceedings, as we had all the pomp and pageantry you could expect from All-Star Weekend, including the unveiling of the NBA's 75th anniversary top 75 players. But first, off the rip. AJ, off the rip, you know, we like to say, what the what? So, what made you go, what the what, this weekend? On Sunday, Michaela Moore, I'm pretty sure you're probably familiar with that name. Now. And if you're not, or any of our viewers aren't, let me tell you what happened. Michaela Moore, the New Zealand defender, she's also a Liverpool defender. She <laughs> scored a hat-trick of own goals. And not just a hat-trick of own goals, a perfect hat-trick of own goals. I, <laughs> the poor thing scored 
a right footer, a header, and then a left footer. Mind you, this is not even throughout the course of the game. She was substituted at halftime. This came, this all came in the first half. Yes, listen. I'm, I'm, she, she has to be on somebody's payroll, boy. This, this, making, <laughs> this makes no sense to me. I mean, one is unlucky. Two is like, shh, all right, cool. But three and a half? Nah, boy. Nah, she, 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 she clearly wasn't even reading the game well because a, a few, it, they all, all three of them came from crosses and it's like the, the ball beat the attacker and she wasn't sure. Like it, it, it was almost like the ball crept upon her mm -hmm. and surprised her a bit. And she just like tried to like put a, a, a foot behind it or put a head at it. A hat trick of own goals, bro. I, I could not believe it. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. That really made me go what the what. <laughs> Honestly, I, I had never seen it either. And then I saw the, the low lights for her. I she brought, That brought my heart for her. Yeah, to, to score three goals on your own side, yeah, that's, that's a bit rough. I would have called for the sub probably after the second night. After I headed it, I would have fallen on the ground and hold my head. Like if I had a concussion, you know, I, I would have Anything so. Tell them is your back. They, they can never, they can never, yeah. You know, they can never refute a back injury. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I would have been, been done. Now, yeah. now my walk the walk this week is from the NBA All-Star Weekend. Mm. We came for Sunday night. And we had Macy Gray singing the anthem. <laughs> now, AJ... You remember when Fergie did the anthem? Of course I remember Fergie. <laughs> of course. Oh, boy. It is, that was Fergie-esque this week. No, the thing about it, Macy Gray has one of the most unique voices I've Agreed. ever come across in all of music. And Agreed. I've been a fan of Macy Gray, particularly because of the uniqueness of her voice. Mm-hmm. But then when Macy came up to sing the anthem and she, no, I don't know. I'm not a medical practitioner. This is pure speculation. However, Macy seemed to have been chemically um, enhanced <laughs> in some form or fashion before going out to sing the anthem. I was like, what? What is this? That literally made me say what the what as well. <laughs> that did as well. Um, the thing is, I'd, I'd actually missed that. I missed, missed seeing it live. So, well, as it was happening in real time, mm -hmm. I should say on TV. So I had to go back and look at the video. And so my wife and I watched it together. And one thing we were saying is that it, I don't know, it, I feel like Macy Gray gets set up. She should have never acted. I don't think that singing the anthem suits her voice. Hmm. It doesn't suit her, her voice and her style. I, I, was, I never saw it going any other way. Like the notes that, 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 um, the, notes that the singers who, who um, give us that, that rend their, their renditions usually, usually hit. That's not Macy. It's never been Macy Gray. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't expect it to be. Like even hearing that she was singing, I was like, Macy Gray, okay. Because one of my boys had message in, in, a, in another chat and he was like, I was like, Macy Gray, okay. So when I saw it, all I could do was laugh. It was worse than I expected, than I anticipated, but it still wasn't a complete shock to me. It, it, that, that's just not Macy's style, it isn't. 
Yeah, that, that. Uh, maybe she tried to say maybe she, she tried to say goodbye, but she choked. Uh, when when <laughs> tried to walk away, she stumbled, so she ended up having to do it. But you know, yeah, but you know that they always try to um put the um hometown folks to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is from Ohio, so from that perspective, it's not surprising that she would have gotten the call. And if you think about the anthem or the U.S. anthem, is that whoever is singing the anthem gets to do it however they want. Like, True. You could you could mm -hmm. put the key however you want. You could sing it however you want, and she doing it kind of acoustic, like with the guitars, made sense. But then mm. the way that played out, they could have gotten Steve Harvey too. He from Ohio too. Yeah, but Steven Steven really no singer though. I I know I was being facetious. I'm just saying that that it was so bad that what what would have been the difference? I guess. Okay, so um, just a quick update. Um, Jordan, our guest, he's up. He woke up. Oh. <laughs> so he said he's going to fire up the Zoom and join us. So wherever we are in the program, that's where he, he'll pick up. And Jordan, who? <laughs> All right, so that was off the rip. And that was what the what. So now, AJ... Mm -hmm. All-Star Saturday night. All-Stars, I didn't watch anything on Friday, um, so I really can't speak to what happened on Friday night. Um, I do remember they said that Kate Cunningham was the MVP of the um, rookies game. So Yeah, it was, yeah. Mm -hmm. But All-Star Saturday night has always been considered a, a top night or a hot night for basketball celebrations with the three contests that they put on the night. Um, there's the skills competition, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest. Now, the Taco Bell skills competition pitted teams of three for the first time, where they had a team of rookies, Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors, Kate Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons, and Josh Giddy of the Oklahoma City Thunder going up against Team Cavaliers, which was Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley, and then Team Antetokounmpo's, which is Yanis Fanasis, both of the Milwaukee Bucks, and Alex of the G League Raptors 955, I think if that's the name of the team. Hmm. Now, of course, it was the hometown Cavs that took the crown. This was followed by the Mountain Dew three-point context, where there was a list of credible participants. We had CJ McCollum, Zach Levine, Desmond Bean. Um, for those of you who may not know where he is from, he is from Memphis. Carl Anthony Downs, Fred Van Vliet, Luke Kennard, Patty Mills, and the favorite was Trey Young. Unfortunately, the favorite didn't make it to the mountaintop. And that honor went to Carol Anthony Towns, the self-proclaimed best shooting big man of all time. Lastly was the dunk contest, featuring Cole Anthony of the Orlando Magic. Of course, we have to mention that he dunked in some Timberlands. Warren Toscano Anderson of the Golden State Warriors, the first player of Mexican descent to make an appearance in the All-Star festivities. Obi Toppin of the Knicks, who was the favorite, and Jalen Green of the Houston Rockets. And while the favorite didn't disappoint in winning the competition, 
Then the contest itself sputtered and failed to launch. Hey there, Jordan. Good to see you. We thought you were sleeping and that you had missed <laughs> us completely. You're, you're currently muted, so we can't hear anything that you're saying. Yes, you're muted. Hello. Right, there we go, finally. <laughs> yes, How are you doing, Jordan? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Sorry about that. I just uh, just a bit of miscommunication. I thought it was tomorrow, so I got it, I got the days mixed up, but that's oh. that's my bad. That's my bad. Yeah, that's no problem. No worries. That is no problem. We had just gotten started. We yeah. were just getting to the point of the conversation where we were looking at what happened on All-Star Saturday. Now, when we looked at what happened and the contests, and especially the crowd reactions that we got from the contests. And especially when we're looking at the dunk competition. And Jordan, as you have joined us, you now we give you first crack at this one. Should we be changing the order of the contest and move the dunk out from closing the show to maybe second and probably putting the three-point contest in its place? So I think the problem is a lot bigger than just the order of where it is in the, in the programme at the minute. Uh, and I think I saw actually for the first time in a long time Stephen A. Smith say something that was actually sensible yesterday <laughs> uh, and he was talking about instead of having the players participating because the people who are the, who are the dunkers that people are going to want to watch at the minute guys like Jar Moran, Anthony Edwards people, they, they're the guys that people want to see in it but there's no incentive for them to be in the competition because there's obviously a risk of injury and the, the fact that it's been such a poor quality for the last, probably ever since Blake Griffin won it, I think it's just been downhill since then. Um, there's that It just puts them off to want to be associated with it. So he was saying that it would be a good idea to recruit people from around the US, just guys who are like out in the streets playing playing on, on courts and the parks and stuff, have like a nationwide competition uh, with like, you know, financial incentives for them to want to play and then have a group of like five to seven players that are, that are those kind of dunkers in game. So guys like John Moran and Anthony Edwards, and they would then pick a player to represent them in the contest. And then they would have a contest between themselves because I think they, th there's guys out there that can really dunk. And the incentive for them is only to dunk. They've got no other distraction or anything like that. So I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't be a good idea to, to sort of shake it up and see if they have any success with it. Because I think it's got to the point now where just moving it around in the programme is not going to be enough of a difference to really revive it at this point. I think it's just gone too far. Understood. What about you, AJ? I'm not sure. I can kind of touched on a point that I was going to as well. Um, for the next question, but in the meantime, um, I do agree with his point, though, that, that it, it's beyond changing the order. For me, though, um, to just answer that question specifically, I don't think the order should be changed. I think the order in which the events take place is kind of directly proportional to the fans' hype and expectations of those events, right? Like, the standard contest is supposed to be, like, the, the premiere of these because of, of what it entails, um, so I don't think that moving it is going to solve any of the issues or, yeah, it just, it, 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 it is like Jordan said a bit deeper than that. I think the Samsung contest just needs some innovation and, um, that's, that's the main issue here. 
the order, no, the order is right. Um, the skills competition first, then you have the three point um, contest and then standard contest, standard competition. And it should always stay like that to me, but we just need some, some fresh ideas. And Jordan just pointed out, uh, like I said, that that's some, that's what I will get into in my next point uh, in a bit. Um, yeah. Well, go ahead. Is there any okay. way Yeah, so, so like, so I also saw that clip from Stephen. First of all, I must say, you know, one thing we could do to fix it, stop wearing Timberlands and trying to crip walk. I've <laughs> seen better crip walks in videos from toddlers taking their first steps. I was absolutely terrible. <laughs> but on a, on a serious note, though, I, I do agree with what Stephen A. said. Like, get real dunkers to dunk. And, and it was mentioned in one of our chats earlier, Ken, that NBA players have so many things, so many other factions of the game that they need to focus on that you can't always expect them to be, like, premier at dunking. Like, like they won't always be the best dunkers, especially, maybe not know, but that point is accurate, right? Mm -hmm. Like, dunking is a special skill, and it's its own art form, right? And, and it'll, be, it'll always be easier to find eight to 10 guys who can shoot the ball, especially with the way the NBA is moving right now, right? So it's not a foregone conclusion that you will find pro players who are skilled in the art form of dunking, right? And uh, so with, with the way social media is nowadays, um, the, how prevalent that is and with videos going viral and that sort of thing, it might be a good idea to put the spotlight on some of these guys who go viral for like just dunking. And, and, and as, it was, as it was suggested, like, have a nationwide competition leading up to the All-Star. You know what? You could even do it like, like, um, like one of them um, talent shows and have fans voting. Get the fans in on it. Have them voting and then ha narrow it down to a, a particular number heading into the All-Star weekend. And just have whatever number is eventually decided. Just have those guys who are specialists in that field come in and do that. I don't even think we need to mix NBA players into that in terms of, like, having them be a part of the competition outside of being like the, like the mentors or sponsors of, of, of these outside players, outside guys, um, skilled artisans. But yeah, I think, I think that's the way to solve it. I, I actually completely agree with that because I, I didn't think of that before, but when I heard the take, I was like, this actually kind of makes sense because like Jordan said, it's, this competition has been on a downward spiral for a while. And what we saw last weekend was absolutely atrocious it was atrocious mm -hmm. now for me jordan you took it all the way back to blake griffin mm -hmm. but the best dunk competition i have seen in my life yeah, this one i've just remembered you know aaron gordon and zach, yeah, and zach Levine. Levine. Yeah, of course. Aaron gordon got robbed of his first dunk championship mm -hmm. and he has to be the unluckiest guy ever in, his, in the whole scope of the competition. And that's what he's doing. We will never get another opportunity to judge another dunk contest. <laughs> but I digress. So, like you guys said, change it or scrap it in its current, current form. Creativity is lacking. And you're not going to get the level of dunking that we would want to see come out of this competition as it stands. Now, I said that we have seen better dunks on YouTube and on Instagram daily. We got guys who are doing some incredible things. And then even when you see what happens in the All-Star game on Sunday, you saw better dunks in the game than we saw in the competition on Saturday yep. night. I agree that 
bringing in outsiders into the competition is probably the answer because that's the only way then you're going to see the creativity, like what we saw from the Aaron Gardens and the Zach Levines. Because to be honest, seeing guys just running up and doing in-game dunks is not going to do it. It's just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Agree. No, Jordan, you came in on the conversation, but here is where we want to introduce you to the folks. Now, for everyone who has followed what I've been putting on our socials, I have been on a, another podcast. Um, this one is based out of England called Munzee Talks. And that is where I met Jordan. Um, Jordan is a Celtics fan. And he did express interest in wanting to join us on the show. So, Jordan, officially, welcome to the Green Beige Podcast. Thanks so much, Ken. Appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so, I know it's a bit sort of uh, delayed, but yeah, thanks for that, man. And uh, looking forward to it. Of course. And, of course, Jordan, I'll introduce you as well to my co-host, AJ. AJ, Jordan Williams. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken on IG already, <laughs> but... <laughs> This is the first time I'm actually speaking in person. Jordan, nice to see you, bro. We share the same last name, so you're a good, you're a good guy. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> All right. So now back to the topics. And what for some may have been the highlight of All-Star Saturday Night was the performance of DJ Khaled, who brought with him, it was DJ Khaled and friends. He brought Lil Baby, Mary J. Blige, the Migos, Gunna, Lil Wayne, and Ludacris. So, AJ, it gives you first crack at this one. What do you think about that performance? People said that that was the highlight of the night? Well, I mean, that was right before the dunk contest. Boy, oh, boy. Um, I didn't enjoy that, you know. I did not enjoy that performance. Okay. I, I, I particularly don't like seeing DJ Khaled perform. Mm. I, I, I was listening to, to um, Bart and Han the ESP on, on ESPN radio, right? Mm-hmm. And a caller called in and said that that show was better than the, the Super Bowl halftime show. I was you know driving. I yeah, I, yeah, I had to turn my radio off immediately because he had to be on something. There's no way that, that there's no way in hell that performance was better or that joint overall performance was better than anything in that Super Bowl halftime show. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I'm just not a fan of Khaled Fursi, but that's opinion, right? I just don't think he's a good hype man, and that's really what he is. And he's not even very good at that. That's my opinion. But here are the facts, though. The overall flow of the performances felt disjointed. Like, they didn't... The artist's performances didn't roll into each other smoothly. It didn't feel like a very good mix. It felt like everybody just... Like, they just cut and pasted pieces together. That's really how it felt to me. Secondly, Lil Wayne... For most of, it, of his performance, as, as you said earlier with Macy Gray, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was chemically enhanced as well because for most of it, he was rapping off beat. I didn't even know if y'all realized that. He was rapping on the beat. Yeah, the man was rapping off beat. Like, bro, this is your own, this is your own verse though. And this is a really old song. Like, did you not like practice with the music or something before? Like, you should know it offhand, but still. And there was a point in time too, like during Gunner's performance that the audio actually cut out and... And there was an awkward, like, few seconds of silence. Awkward couple of seconds. Like, kind of thing just wasn't smooth. And going back to Lil Wayne, like, I actually really like that song. You know, We Taken Over, it was one of my favorites. 
I know, I know that song word for word, but I was rapping it better than Wayne. You being serious? <laughs> Listen, outside of Luda, there was nothing in that performance that resonated with me. It really just wasn't that good to me. It, it was just disjointed. It was, it just felt like, okay, what's next? I, I don't think it was good at all. Okay. <laughs> well, were you, Jordan? What did you think of that performance by Khaled and crew? So I so agree with AJ, really. I mean, it was it was quite late at this point. So I wasn't really fully paying attention. I was ready for bed, so I was just like waiting for the dunk contest. So, mm. but yeah, I, I sort of noticed that it sounded a bit strange. It, it didn't. I don't know if there was something wrong with the audio or something. But um, no, I thought the bit the biggest problem really was it was just a mashup of people. I don't think they thought about how they can complement each other, and they just sort of said, "All right, they're available." Mary J. Blige has just done like the Super Bowl. So let's, you know, carry on that hype and we'll we'll have her here. And uh, yeah, it just didn't gel at all, I don't think. I mean, to be honest, I was more uh is disgusted the right word about that drinking thing that Steph Curry did with everyone, and I don't know what that was. That oh, was the, the, the game, the, the, the couple's that, that game was, me. That was even worse. That was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd actually forgotten about that. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, they got rid of shooting stars just to replace it with uh, with Steph and Aisha. I, I don't even know who the other two people were. I was just it was, like, it was two chains and his yeah, wife. Two chains and his yeah. wife. Two chains and his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Another why? why? <laughs> <laughs> question I've got. Why? I don't, I don't, oh dear me. <laughs> so the 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 um, Steph Curry and Aisha Curry thing. They have a, a, a game show that recently, recently launched on HBO Max. Um, it's called A Boat Last Night, where they have other couples come in. There are three couples who basically they have to answer questions about each other and that kind of stuff. And they're all competing for charity. The last thing that they do on the show, because I've watched a couple of episodes, actually, you know, not bad for a couple of hours, is Beat the Curries where they're blindfolded, exactly as you saw them do on stage, where whoever has won the competition for the night, um, I think they get like $20,000 for their charity. And then they have an opportunity to win $5,000 more if they beat the Curries during that drinking game where you have to drink to show who you think is whichever that would have won, whatever. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, that I, I saw it and I was like, huh? And then when I watched the gish, I was like, okay, no, it makes sense. Um, for the for the performance by Khaled, though, now, like you, AJ, I'm not the biggest fan of Khaled, but my, my peeve where Khaled is concerned is that I think that in a lot of cases, producers need to produce and don't try to be so up in everything. Involved? Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. Like, Dr. Dre does beats for people, and you know it's a Dre beat according to the song. Mm-hmm. The Neptunes did beats for people or do beats for people, and the most that you would get when you have a Neptune beat is if you do a music video, Pharrell is going to be in your video. But Khaled announces himself every time. That annoys me. That's, but that's me. When I heard that Khaled was going to be doing a performance at the NBA All-Star after Dr. Dre did a performance at the Super Bowl, 
I knew it was going to be another ensemble performance. It had mm-hmm. no way of being anything else. Yeah, agree. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I expected, Dre is known to be a bit of an old head in the game. His music appeals to, I guess, to us millennials. We, we grew up hearing a lot of the songs that were played at the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. Khaled's collection of musicians skews to a much younger target audience. When you bring out people like Gunna and the Migos who have had to fight for their level of credibility within the game because of the differences, or should I say the similarities between them and a lot of other artists compared to when we were growing up and we heard rappers who had their own individual styles and put that on each record that they did. You could feel their fingerprints. Whereas in a lot of cases, rhythmically and floor-wise, a lot of these guys are very, very similar. So while we three may not necessarily have found much within the music to hold on to and therefore it didn't really score at us you could bet that the younger folks would have thought that that was fantastic and and i don't disagree with that i'm pretty sure that guy who called in even though he sounded like he was 60 something i'm pretty sure he was probably in his 20s because but i noticed notice in what i said in my response i didn't even mention the actual artist because he, 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 you mentioned that he, he brought in the younger guy. So he started with Lil Baby, then it was Gunner, then it was um, the Migos, right? Mm-hmm. As you said, yeah, they catered to a younger crowd, younger generation, more Gen Zs than anything, I would guess. Yes. But he did have, a, have then bring in the, the, the artists that would appeal to us in Mary J, Lil Wayne, Luda. Mm-hmm. But my issue is still just how everything, like there were more ebbs than flows. Mm-hmm. It's still the like looking and and I don't want it to be a comparison to the Super Bowl performance, but just using that as a blueprint, a performance like that, I feel like is okay. There was music playing in the Super Bowl performance, right? And but the, the way it was the way it was put together, the beats themselves actually flowed into one another. Even like Dre getting on the piano and playing, and then you know, it, like it 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 just mixed a lot better. It was a lot more mellifluous, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to Khaled play one beat and a man rap on it. And then another, another beat drop and then somebody else rap on it. And then it was another beat and it, 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 it was just like, what, what is this crab mash that is really taking place? Like, seriously? It was just too much. And then, from the t- whenever Khaled gets into his, his bag of, they told me I would never do this. And I, think, ah, I, was, I was doing that. They told me I would never perform at the All-Star Game. And the first thought that came to my mind is, who told you that, Khaled? Who? Yeah. Like, who, who, when you were young, said you will never perform at the, at the All-Star game? Like, that, why is, and, is that a thing? And of all things, the All-Star game. The All-Star <laughs> game. Like, really? Like, somebody was bad man for all for wanting to... Uh, <laughs> get out of here, Khaled. <laughs> all right. So then, now, the game on Sunday. Now, the All-Star game featured the same format that's hard for the last few years where each quarter we started at zero and all scores were tabulated until an untimed fourth quarter where 24 points were added to the leading team score and that became the target score 
The first two quarters were split between Team LeBron and Team Durant, with the third quarter being a tie. Now, both teams were playing for their own individual charities, and what that meant is that each charity that they were playing for got to carry home some of the money to continue their good work, which I might add is the first time that both charities actually got some money because usually the team that LeBron picks wins all the quarters and gets all the money for their charity. But that also meant, no, that we were finally going to have a much more competitive fourth quarter. Now, after the LeBron bucket where he sank the winning turnaround jumper, Team LeBron won for the fifth consecutive All-Star matchup. But Stephen Curry put up a 50-piece on 16 of 27 shooting from three, earning MVP honors. So, Jordan, what did you think of the game? I thought it was I thought it was really good actually. Um I, I think just because there was that sort of uh like incentive for each team to be pushing for something in each quarter. I think this has helped it over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Instead of just having just go out there and play as, you know, just show off basically, there's nothing really to play for. Yeah, it, it might make it a bit more sort of nice on the eyes, if you know what I mean. Like there'd be more flashy things happening, but at the same time, they didn't really feel like it was a game. It, it was more of an exhibition. Whereas now it's like an exhibition for sort of two and a half quarters. And then the, the sort of end of the third, and then especially in the fourth, teams actually like play properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it actually, it went right, you know, it went really down to the wire this uh, this weekend. Uh, and it, it could have, you know, it, when it, I can remember when, when Zach hit that three, just before LeBron like did the sort of spinning fadeaway, whatever it was, I, when he hit that three, I thought if they miss now, I can see someone someone's going to come down and score a three, and it's going to be game over. So it was it was that close, and I just thought he made it a lot more interesting because I, I prefer games that are going to be you know tightly contested. I don't you know I I'd prefer not to watch a blowout game. I'd want to watch something that's competitive, and you don't often get competition in All Star games. So I, for me, I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought Steph was just unbelievable, unbelievable, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that is my guy, Mister Stephen Curry. So, Edge, what about you? What did you think of the game? Um, so, like I told you, I only picked it up from somewhere in the third quarter, and outside of Steph, um, it felt a bit dull. In the third quarter, that is. But I think closer to the end of the third, and definitely in the fourth, it picked up a lot. And it was a lot more exciting. <laughs> um, and, and, and like Jordan alluded to, like it, you could feel that the guys were actually playing for something. Like they, they was, It wasn't just an exhibition. They were actually playing to win. Now, granted, I did, I did when I was um, messaging you, I did say it felt like, like Team LeBron was trying to force that ball to step so he could... Hit that one three and, and break the um the, the single game record, yeah, mm-hmm. for the all star game. And he was really trying to. <laughs> the team Durant wasn't having it though, they were actually shutting him down like this was game seven of an NBA final, mm-hmm. like they did not want that to take place. So it, it was actually, I, I like to see that competition, mm-hmm. I, I really loved it. And I think I'd messaged this in the group as well and said that Giannis was treating Chris Middleton so rough. <laughs> This man, this man, he, he I think he won on two, two separate players. He put down a serious block, a swat on him. And then another one, when Middleton was going up for the layup, he folded him. And it, was, it wasn't just a, like a soft hand check. Like, he put something in it. And I was like, I love to see this. 
Because he, he, I mean, he knew he wasn't going to hurt his guy by doing that, but he was playing. He's he was playing with some intent, and I love to see it. Honestly, um, I like the ending to the game, and I think it was fitting that that Braun was the one who hit the shot um, in the manner that he did. You know, in his hometown and whatnot. It, it felt like a really good ending and swan song, if you must, for the evening. So, I know a lot of people will, they always will complain about the outside game, just like they complain about the Pro Bowl. But if you understand what you're going to get coming in, you won't be disappointed. You will never get that level of intensity through an entire exhibition game. Because there's, there's, no stakes really on the line. Now, as I made mention of in my introduction to the topic, this is the closest I remember the two teams being heading into the fourth quarter because before a team LeBron would be up by like 20 points, 15 points, and then it'd be like, what can the other team do to try to limit their scoring and give themselves a chance? The charity thing does help because, as you said, Jordan, it does actually give them something to motivate them to actually play something mm -hmm. during the first three quarters. Now, what you will see is still what we saw. So, like, John Morant going head up by the rim to catch an alley-oop. You get shots from every possible angle, even LeBron deciding he wants to hit logo threes because Steph has been doing that pretty much all game long and dunks and more dunks and more dunks and better dunks than we saw on Saturday night but when you take it in its entirety I thought the game was actually pretty good like there was no 60 point quarters you had guys at least you know putting a hand up when they were trying to close out on somebody in the first three quarters I enjoyed it I enjoyed it. And, you know, sometimes one of the things that it does help to is to see certain matchups. Like, what would it look like if LeBron and Steph played on the same team? Mm -hmm. Okay, now we get to see it in an All-Star game where LeBron is actually, you know, passing the ball, not just looking for his own stats. And Steph, all he has to do is just shoot. He doesn't have to do He doesn't have to think about anything else. He's just shooting and I mean 48 points or 16 shots ah, that's my guy I am glad that Steph won the MVP and or oh, just one other thought they, there was a lot of talk all throughout the game um, and I was watching it more on the TBS broadcast than I was watching it on the TNT broadcast because the TNT broadcast that was where you had um, it was Marv, not Marv Albert, he's retired. Um, you had Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller. Hmm? Yeah. Sorry, I was just saying Reggie Miller was on, yeah. Right, Reggie Miller. Mm. Um, Kevin Holland, I think, as well. Right, Kevin Holland was, he was, his name was the one I couldn't remember at Dwayne Wade. They were the mm -hmm. main mm -hmm. people on that broadcast, whereas on the TBS broadcast, you had the inside the NBA guys. So mm -hmm. it was Shaq and Chuck going at it all the time, and Draymond just walking around with a microphone talking to people. Mm. And they were saying that there were lots of players who actually wanted to win the MVP in the game 
I guess because it was you know, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the NBA, they wanted to win this MVP, including LeBron. So when you have players you know, who come in saying, I want to be all-star game MVP, then you're going to get effort from them as opposed to just playing the fool. I, to me, I'd, I'd say that I believe that one factor that contributed to that as well was the fact that it was the inaugural Kobe Bryant trophy. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that added a bit of gumption and, and, and made guys really want to go for it. Um, it was well-deserved by Steph, though, at the end of the day. Like, yes. Can't yeah. really argue that. Can't really argue that. Yeah. job 50 in the All-Star game. And his team wins. I, I mean... There could be an argument that even if they lost, maybe he should have gotten it. But, you know, the NBA doesn't do that. So yeah, they had yeah. to win. They had to win for him to get it. All right. So, Jordan, there's a little game that we play quite often here at the English Podcast. It's called Who Do You Trust? And in Who Do You Trust? We put a situation or a scenario to you. And then you tell us, who do you trust? And first up is your Boston Celtics. Because you're a Celtics fan. Before we get there, John, how did you become a Celtics fan? You in England, of all teams you could pick, you pick Boston. How did that happen? Well, I suppose there's not really any... I don't have ties to any particular place. Like, I don't live in America where, like, I live in a certain state or in a city where there's a high number of certain fans or in a state that's got, like, one team or something like that. So just growing up, we went on there. We it's quite a funny story, really, because it was it was just before, or it was just it was just after I started watching basketball for the first time. It was like 17, 18 season, um, and we were going on a holiday. And uh, one of my friends was like, "Oh, we should get some jerseys, like or keep you like you know, just keep us cool in the sun, sort of thing, instead of just walking around with like t-shirts or shirts and stuff." Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first the first jersey I bought just by chance was a Larry Bird jersey. So I was like. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stick with. I'm just gonna roll with them because it was the only jersey I had at the time. So I was like, "Yeah, I'll roll with Celtics." And then I was like, "Oh, they're not. They're not too bad." And then I was like, "Actually, no, they're pretty, pretty damn good." And I, so, like, <laughs> considering like the football team, or as like yes, yeah, so, as, as you guys call it, like my soccer team that I support, we're not like good. So it's quite nice to have a change to support a team that that is sort of a, it's well has been <laughs> down the down the years. So uh, yeah, that's how I got here in the end. Okay, well, I mean. That good on you for the Larry Bird jersey. That would definitely do it. I mean, you could have picked up a Detroit Pistons jersey and you would have been miserable. So <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't do that. Things right. have a way of working out. Indeed. indeed. <laughs> so, no, Johnny, your Boston Celtics have been the hottest team in the NBA coming into the break, winning 12 of their last 14 games. Jason Tatum is healthy. And when healthy, Jalen Brown has been playing some of the best basketball of his career. And the newly acquired Derek White has been a major part of their rotation, averaging 30 minutes per game, 12.3 points, four rebounds, and three and a half, well, 3.8 assists in the four games he's played. So, Jordan, do you trust your Celtics to keep it going? Yeah, I do, actually. Um... I mean, I think that the one of the most underrated things I think that we actually sort of brought in, one of the pieces that we sort of brought back, actually, uh, and I don't think anyone would have ever suspected it, that it would be this important, but just bringing back Daniel Tice, 
I think like for how he fit in this in the system before he left. I know we're playing different under 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 coach uh, Emo that we did with with Brad Stevens, but I think the way his, his play style works, he's he can just like he played his first game back against Philadelphia, and he looked it looked like he not he looked like he'd just been out for like a few games, and he was coming back into the same team that he left like just over a year ago. Uh, he, he was. You know, they, they all know each other very well. He's a bit more of a leader on the court because we never had really anybody who was willing to sort of take that on. I think Marcus Smart got it by default, really. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't someone who asserted himself. He just sort of got it because he was there for the longest time. So, and you can see him calling plays out. You can see him on, on defence, him and Marcus Smart. So having two anchors at the back who are going to sort of start telling people where they need to be and what they need to do, it's only going to improve the way they're playing because we've got a lot of young guys. Obviously, Tatum's only 23 Brown's only 25, I think, or he might be 24 even. Derek White, I think he's he's not very old either. So there's a lot of young guys that are going to be important to the team moving forward. So having just a bit more uh, leadership in the back, I think it's um, it's going to be really important moving forward. And I can only see it getting better. It was obviously fitted into a new system this season. It was completely different to what we were doing with Brad Stevens. So now that sort of rocky starts uh, passed us by. I think, you know, I, I think we could push for a top four seed this season. All right. Jordan is positive on his Celtics. What about you, AJ? Do you trust the Celtics to keep it going? Jordan, I'm sorry, bro. I mean, I know we're just officially meeting, but I'm about to bust your bubble because I really don't. I don't have faith in them to stay not this hot. As you said, 12, to win 12 of the last 14 and be averaging like over 100 points. Nah, I don't see how they maintain it. Not not till the end of the season. Nah, and I, I, you know what? I'd be interested to see if, if they come out of the All-Star break with that momentum because I feel like that may have killed it a little bit. Um, mind you, the streak was... Or the, the, they, they won a nine-game winning streak, which was broken by the aforementioned Detroit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I, I'll get back in. You could say it's one of those nights, right? But then... As I'm going through the list of teams that they beat. So let me go through the 12 of 14. Uh, um, it, so it began, it, that 12 of 14 began, Wizards, not a playoff team. The Kings, okay. Um, they lost to the Hawks then. Beat the Pelicans. Beat the Heat without, who were without Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. Then um, beat the Hornets. Eh, I, not too much credit for that for me. Beat the Pistons. The magic, the nets without anyone, <laughs> essentially. Yeah? Beat the Nuggets, okay, cool. It was a six-point game, so, I mean, those games to me could go any which way, but it's, that's, I still give them credit for the win. Um, then they beat the Hawks again. They beat the Sixers and then lost to the Pistons. And like I said, I, 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 Jordan, as a Celtics fan, might say, okay, well, you know, that was just one of those nights because they lost by a single point. Well, I could also say, and Jordan, I'm not saying that you're saying this, but there are Celtics fans that will say so, that it was just that uh, one of those nights. I can also say that it was one of those nights for Joel Embiid, who is one of the front runners for MVP. He went three of nine that night. That's not going to happen every night. It's not. Right? Yeah, well, it's how, they, how they defended him, though. The yeah, yes, yes, yes. I, I get that. I get that. that that's, that's a very credible argument. But Joel Embiid is not going to go three, four, nine on a, for the rest of the season. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, and I'm pretty sure that won't happen if, if or when you all have to meet again. I, I, I get what you're saying. You have to say what you have to say as a fan. 
I do think that y'all are a playoff team. I think that y'all may even climb a bit higher. But in terms of this run where you're averaging over 100 points a game, I do not see that maintaining for the remainder of the season. I, 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 I have enough faith in, in you more so than I have faith in the teams, like in the playing positions, to be able to turn it around in the second half or this, like, not even second half, but in this stretch of the season. But I just don't see how the Celtics maintain this. You know what it is to, to be averaging over... And I, I didn't even do the numbers, but just in that short space, they scored over 100 in every game. So we know that they're averaging over 100, right? Mm -hmm. I, 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 like I said, the run... You, you, you need to beat who's in front of you. I give them credit for that. I just don't see that this being sustainable, that this is sustainable for the remainder of the season. Not when injuries and, and so on are going to, to become a factor. And guys are going to have better nights than they had against them. And players are going to be back. I just don't see it. So, <clears throat> I guess I'm kind of in between you guys. Um, because... I do believe that you, AJ, and definitely George Jordan, I'd be surprised if you said otherwise, but based on what you said, <laughs> you, you also agree that the Celtics are a playoff team. The Celtics have been playing extremely well over the last month and a half coming into the All-Star break. Now, some of the things that do make me pause is that they, they have the 10th most difficult strength of schedule left in the NBA. And their toughest games are one against the Warriors, two against Memphis, who are playing some extremely good ball themselves. And then they still have one versus the Heat. Jimmy Butler is back. One against the Bulls, who are still working their way up to getting healthy, but still winning games, even though they're not all the way there. One against the 76ers, who they will expect to have James Harden on the floor in that game. One against the Jazz, one against the Bucks. And that is one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games out of 22. Right now, you're currently setting sixth in the standings. And depending on how things shake out within those games, I believe that the Celtics could probably rise up the standings all the way to fourth. But they could also stay where they are in six. I do not believe that the Celtics are going to fall back into the playing situation. But I don't see them getting further than fourth when you still have the likes of the young Cavaliers who are playing extremely well. You still have... Um, Brooklyn ahead of you you still have Philly ahead of you and then you still have the Bucks ahead of you those are three teams especially that are still in my opinion better than the Celtics so I'm interested to see where they end up but I don't see them getting higher than fourth yeah I mean if I just sort of if I'll just quickly sort of answer back to what AJ was sort of saying because I mean that's an argument that we've seen quite a lot um, where it's been about the schedule and stuff, especially with what we've got left and what we've had. And like the main argument, I think, is like people just trolling on Twitter and stuff, you know, how they get and stuff like that. But um, <clears throat> just sort of saying, oh, you know, they've played bums and everything else, and they've not they've not had any difficult games. We had a we had well, we're gonna have not by the end of the season, but we do right now the longest West Coast. Um, tour of the year 
Uh, I think we played 11 out west uh, near the start of the season. And we we had games like we had the Blazers when they had Dame, they still had McCollum like fit and, and healthy. So we we played teams now that other teams are gonna have to play a later date who are significantly weaker than they were when they played us. And also I think because of the way that we've won these games against different teams, and I know obviously the offense is nowhere near as good as like the Magic's offense is obviously nowhere near as good as Phillies or the Bucks, but the problem that we had against these teams earlier in the season against the Bulls, we had we blew a 19 point lead against the Bulls in the fourth quarter. And this season, our fourth quarter defense has drastically improved since that game. Against the Bucks, we had a 15 point lead against them on the road, and again, we blew that lead and lost by I think it was one or two points in the end. So they're the kind of games that if we can go into that with the same game plan that we had in the first place, but adapt the defensive presence that we've built towards the, towards sort of the middle part of the season, then it could be a combination where if it all comes together, these teams, we might be able to give them a bit of a shock and a bit of a run for the money, I think. Uh, but obviously, I'm a fan of the team. I'm going to be biased. Uh, and you've got to be optimistic. You know, there's no point thinking, oh, because I mean, last year, everything was going wrong towards the end of the year. We, we had all our players getting injured. There were fallouts, people not playing properly. And then we ended up getting the Nets in the first round. So I'd I'd give up on the season already by that point. So I've got to try and come into this time in the playoffs and hope that we can just at least get past the, you know, get into the playoffs first, but just get past that first round and then just see what might happen after that. I'll leave the Celtics fan with that final point. I won't, I won't rebut. Okay. We, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So next up are the Phoenix Suns. Um, the Phoenix Suns have the best record in the NBA. But in their last game, right before the All-Star break, Chris Paul hurt his hand. That pain turned out to be a broken thumb, keeping him out now for the next six to eight weeks. And the regular season ends in seven. On April 10th, with the playoffs beginning April 16th. So, Jordan, give you first crack again. Do you trust the Suns to survive and maintain their top spot in the West? 1,000% yes. Like, I, I think it goes deeper than just having Chris Paul on the court. The, the, the culture that he's brought into that locker room and the things that he's taught that team, just because he's, go he's going to be injured for these next run of games doesn't mean that he's not going to have any bearing on their success or how they're going to play. He's still going to be going to the coaching drills. You know, he might not, he obviously won't be able to participate, but he'll still be trying to teach them the, the little things. And I can remember Booker and Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges have all come out and said his impact off the court is just as significant as what he does on it because he's taught them to play in a different way. So I think if you take Paul, if you take like CP out of, the, out of the situation, obviously it's going to have an impact on them because he's, he's, the, he's the chief facilitator and he's one of the best facilitators we've probably ever seen. So it's going to be a detriment. But at the same time, I think you've got to trust the guys like Booker now who's, who's matured a lot since he came into the league. He should be able to take that mantle on now. I mean, he did it in the playoffs last year without Chris Paul. Uh, he was able to, to sort of take on the load and really put up some big numbers. So 
I, I don't I don't see a reason why they won't be able to keep it up until the end of the year. Obviously, the Warriors and the Grizzlies are not far away. So they might, if it starts paying, it's difficult to sort of sum up, but I, I honestly do think that they'll be absolutely fine. I don't think it will affect them as much as people think it will. Okay. What about you, AJ? Do you think the Suns hang on? Okay, so here I may display a bit of fandom, right? Because I've been a huge fan of Chris Paul for a very long time. And I know, I, I know you may not know that one, Ken, but... It's not like he's not like my top three all-time or anything, but I've just always been a fan. I like point guard play, and I, I've always said for a while now that I think he's the best pure point guard this league has, to, has had in a while, right? Um, it's just like even pre-Suns, Clippers, Clippers era even. I've I just always been a fan. And the impact that he has had on that team, Jordan just mentioned it, is like on and off the court. He, he, he has helped that young team with their mentality. Mind you, there's a coach there who, as we probably might get into the next segment, who should be up for an award this year, right? But I digress. Let me get back to this point. Um, I, it, for me, this kind of comes down to margins. Right now, they are, what, six and a half games ahead of the Warriors. I don't know if they finish the season, like, with this gap. Because after, like after their six and a half game lead, then then the other teams like like going down the list. The other teams are essentially like closer to each other, right? There's only like two games between the Warriors and Grizz, um, or a game and a half rather. And then you know like so it's a lot closer. The Suns essentially have a a, a lead without Chris Paul. I I am skeptical that they can keep the lead the gap this wide. I'm skeptical that they can keep the gap this wide. Can they finish in the top slot? It's very possible because I trust Monty Williams that much. And again, if this man could pull this off, he, there's no way you can not give him um, coach of the year this year and, and, and give some half-assed excuse to give some other coach, right? It should be him. If, if he could really pull this off and keep these, these guys in, in the number one seed. But again... Um, I, I don't know the strength of their schedule right now. I'm just saying, just, just talking off the top of my head um, in terms of like the impact that I think is going to be missing from Chris Paul. Like Jordan mentioned that it, it'll still be there. Yes, but the fact of the matter is you're still missing his product on the court. And to me, that's a big product. And it, it's, you can't fill his shoes. You really, that, there's no one in that team that can fill his shoes. And while they may not necessarily need it to still be a winning team, I think they need that in order to, like, maintain the gap that they have um, over, like, the chasing pack. I think the gap could be lessened. I wouldn't be surprised completely if they were to drop to the second seed, but uh, they still have enough in terms of pieces, coach, just the entire unit to stay in the top seed. But, again, like I said, this is margins. I do think more so than Jordan did that Chris Paul's injury is going to impact them. Okay, so you you spoke about the strength of schedule, or you mentioned the strength of schedule that Phoenix may have, and Phoenix has the sixth easiest schedule. Okay, so there we go. And when you couple the sixth easiest schedule still to go with a six and a half game lead on the Warriors. This is more, I would say, 
a reflection though on the Warriors than the Suns themselves. The Warriors are not pushing for the number one seed. This is two seasons especially that they have not been really focusing so much on the regular season. Last season, they had a, sh- a chance to get into the playoffs via the play, and they picked it up coming on to the end of the season to try to get there. In the end, they flamed out in the in the playing tournament. They didn't get there. This season, I think really and truly, since they've finished that regular season with the regular season record 73 and 9, they have not been pushing as hard to get the number one seed because they're confident that they can win on any floor in the NBA, regardless of where they go, they can be whoever. So finishing second is not a problem for them. So from that perspective, I believe that the Suns still maintain the number one seed, even Mm -hmm. though Chris Paul is out. Um, They still have campaign, Cameron Payne, who played extremely well while Chris Paul was out last season. A season of additional um, experience will stand well for him going forward. They still have Alfred Payton on the squad, but he hardly plays. So, I mean, he was a credible player, but when he had the locks, he might be the reverse Samson. No, this guy is here. He may have lost a lot of his strength, but um, we'll, we'll see what they do with him. And they recently brought in Aaron Holiday, who is an underrated point guard slash shooting guard and can give them some quality minutes. None of them are Chris Paul, but all of them can still give you some production and keep them where they are. Now, I do expect... Oh, well, Alfred Payton. I don't you tell me that about no Alfred Payton. Stop it. Stop it. Don't stop t- trying to convince people that Alfred Payton... Alfred Payton is going to con- contribute something to a, 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 a playoff team. Stop it, Ken. But if he gets the minutes, he will contribute. I He'll contribute him. minutes, yeah. <laughs> Alfred Payton. Alfred Payton. I think you better look at Justin Alfred Payton. Am I, though? Am I? Am I? Am I? <laughs> Again, it is more about campaign and Aaron Holiday. I take those points completely. But the, the, the caveat to that, though, is Payton is still injured. Mm. And Aaron Holiday, mm-hmm. he has recently joined the team. Mm-hmm. So Alfred Payton is going to have to give them some minutes, AJ. He's going to... <laughs> He's gonna have to give them something. <laughs> no, like I said, I do expect though that the Suns are gonna lose some games. They are gonna lose some games, but I there's no way that they fall lower than second. They they do not agree. lower than the Warriors if the Warriors are the ones that get there. I, I agree. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped to second. I'd be definitely surprised if they drop lower than that because I don't see it. Mm-hmm. But if they do stay number one, like I said, it, it wouldn't be a complete shock, but just hand one to the trophy and stop playing. Stop playing with that, man. <laughs> so now we're talking about trophies. Now, this is where I'm going to do, I'm going to be my um, best um, Jenny Taft, where I'm asking the questions and staying out of it. It's too early for me to make my picks. So I'm going to give you guys the floor. So we're going to look ahead now. Um, as this is our last topic for this this episode. Um, mm-hmm. First up, MVP, 
Jordan, who do you trust to win the MVP this year at this point in February? Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's got to be. It's got to absolutely be. Like, for me, I, do, I just... This is always the time as well that Yanis steps it up. It doesn't matter how how hard he's been playing, what crazy stuff he's been doing. It's always at, towards the end of the season where he plays his best basketball. So I think right now he's probably neck and neck with Joel Embiid. But I think by the end of the season, uh, I think Yanis will be sat he'll be sat on the perch by himself, and there'll be no one around him. Uh, I, I think he's he's what he's he's a two he's, he's one of the most elite two way players in the league. So I, I mean, I just can't, I just can't argue with it. The only thing that is sort of a bit of an issue is the books have been a little bit inconsistent this season, and I think realistically they're going to have to finish above Philly if he's going to beat mm. if he's going to beat out Joel Embiid to win it. They're going to have to finish above Philadelphia, and um, like I said, with how they've been playing, they've been sort of two. <coughs> They've got some. Uh, they need to start focusing now if that's going to happen. But yeah, that's it's definitely between those two for me anyway at the minute. Okay, what about you, AJ? Who do you have winning MVP this year? I'm going to say Joel Embiid. If we're talking about at this point, I'm going to say Joel Embiid. The MVP, as it should be, is the most valuable player, right? Who has been more valuable to their team than Joel Embiid so far for this season? Now, I I take. Jordan's point about Giannis Antetokounmpo, but he's on the team of the reigning champions. They have a very good overall team. And Giannis is who he is. He's always going to be a great player. But, like, what, what was Joel Embiid really working with offensively in the Sixers? Uh, that, that, that let, let's say that, that, um, that put him on the same stead with Giannis. Like, Giannis has the, the, the entire team around him, as, as I said, because they won last year. And they want many, very many changes to that team. Not major changes, but I mean, come on. Embiid was really carrying his team for the bulk of the season. And uh, it will be a damn shame if James Harden was to come into the team now and then people try to minimalize and trivialize Embiid's impact because he now has James Harden. At this point, I have nothing positive to say about, uh, about James Harden. Maybe we'll get to that <laughs> in, uh, in, a, in a later show. But my MVP for right now is... is, the, is is that guy Joel Embiid? So it's interesting though that both of you guys have picked Eastern Conference players as your MVP frontrunners. There's no love for anyone in the Western Conference. I think the only reason the only reason I've not, I think it's because I look at the Western Conference and I think that a lot of those teams are far more well balanced. A lot of those teams have got sort of a duo. There's some sort of duo going on there. Like there's always there's a second player that is not necessarily vital, but they are important and they do boost the production by a, a decent amount. Like mm-hmm. I think Yanis, as as much as like uh, yeah, AJ, the overall team is is solid, but Chris Middleton is is Yanis's is Yanis's second guy, and I, I don't care what anyone says, he's garbage. He's garbage. <laughs> I, I do not like him. I've never. He's so he's such a streaky scorer. He's so unreliable. He is. He is. I, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Last season of the playoffs, the last two minutes of the fourth quarter of every single game, he turned into MJ. So I don't know what was going on there. But <laughs> normally, he's just too reliable for a second, to be a second option. So I, I think if I look out to the West, we've got like the Suns, it, it's Buck and it's Chris Paul. 
you've got the Grizzlies, it's John Moran, and then he's got Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson, who have both been like, they've been sort of like his bodyguards all season. Mm-hmm. And then in the Warriors, you've had, obviously, as ever, you've got Dre and Steph. So they had sort of the three, the three guys that I would think of who would be up in the MVP race if it was just in the West Conference would be Steph. Oh, well, actually, no, Jokic. I'm forgetting about that. I've got to put some respect on that man's name. But if I, if I look to the top of three seedings, because I don't think the Nuggets are going to be high enough for Jokic to, to get in there in the end, which is a shame because he's played amazing again this season. But if I think Jar, Steph and... Um, Chris Paul. So just just for three examples, they've each one of those guys has got a, a second or a second and a third option behind them that are contributing significantly to the stats that they're putting in. Albeit Steph has had to do it recently without Draymond, and I think it has shown. To be honest, what about you, AJ? Any anybody from the West? Um, as you just mentioned, Nikola Jokic. I mean, I, he's always he's always there in the boats, right? I. If it had to be, but I really, I just can't look past. Because, Jordan, to respond to you, right? You said how you feel about Middleton, right? And and I completely get you. I don't feel as strongly, but along those lines, I kind of feel that way about Tobias Harris. I don't think he's a bad basketball player, but I, I don't think he's like, he's an exceptional number two or anything like that, right? And even just looking at, like, he's averaging more minutes per game than, um, than Embiid. And, and average, like, 35 minutes a game and under 20 points. I mean, so it's not like... That's, that's my point. Like, I really can't look past MB because I don't feel like he has much to work with. Ken, if you're looking at the West, I know you want me to say your guy, Steph, but I'm going to say the Joker. I'm going to say the Joker. I agree. For once tonight, I'm going to agree with Jordan and I'm going to say the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I was pulling hard on the Steph MVP train early on in the season. Um, but at this point in time, I can't continue to go that way based on his shooting struggles he has against where he has not played well at all. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the consistency of the guys that you guys have called. Um, I'm not making a pick tonight or today for MVP. That will come later on. I'll keep everyone in suspense on that. But what I will say, though, is that if Joel Embiid is to win an MVP in his career, this season better be it. Because yeah. as long as he has James Harden on that team, <clears throat> I always remember what they did to Steph when um, Katie joined the team. They said that because you had former MVP Kevin Durant joining former MVP Stephen Curry, the two of them were going to be cannibalizing each other. They are going to be pulling votes away from each other therefore neither of them could win the MVP regardless of how amazingly they played so to all of the voters that are going to be picking the MVP I have said this every single season since then keep the same energy that's why none of my Lakers can win an MVP as long as Anthony Street closed Davis Mr. Glassman himself and LeBron James are on the same team. That's a wrap. Where that's concerned. Now, um, rookie of the year. Jordan, who do you have right now as your rookie of the year? I've got two answers. 
Because one, I think by the end of this season, there's a chance that he will be with the MVP winner. But that's sort of more, and that's more of a sort of sceptical view. Right now, it, it's got to be Evan Mobley. I, I don't think it can be anybody else. The fact that he's gone into that team, and yeah, there's been other little pieces that have come in and stuff, but he's basically gone in as a rookie and dragged them from a garbage team to probably going to be top four or five team in the playoff. Definitely going to make the playoffs as it stands right now. I think, I, I think they'll be fine by the end of the season. And I just think he's he's been fantastic. You don't often see centres, you know, or I know he's been playing the four, but, you know, he, he's, he is a big man. You don't see big men coming into the league with the skill set that he's got. And it, it's, it usually takes, you know, two, three, four seasons until they're finally adjusted to the league and stuff. But he was like a ready-made product when he came straight in. It was, it, I, I just think he's been, ever since his debut, he's, he's been consistent all the way through. However... Kate Cunningham has started playing basketball now. And I know, obviously, this is completely redundant, but that Rising Stars game, he was just the general out there. He looked mature. It was, a, it was an old head on young shoulders. And I think the, the, the only reason I think Mobley will win it regardless is because they are a winning basketball team. And you don't often see rookies, especially that get drafted to a team that's high in the lottery, that then go on the next season and make the playoffs. It doesn't happen often. So I think that's a massive tick in the box for Mobley. But Cade is now, is averaging, is, is, they're all going up. All of his stats are going up. It's been on an upward surge now for about six weeks. His percentages are going up. He's starting to shoot the ball a lot better than he was. And I think it's a two-horse race now for the rest of the season. Uh, if Cade can keep improving and start putting up a little bit better numbers, he might get in there. But I think Mobley's pretty safe at the minute. Okay. What about you, AJ? Who do you have for Rookie of the Year? I feel like I might be ending the show almost on the same wavelength as Jordan, even though we didn't start off that way. Um, because my analysis is almost the same. I, I feel like Evan Mobley may be the eventual winner. But for me, and again, this could be me being a homer because I actually watched Kid Cunningham at... Oklahoma, and I thought that he was going to take them a little bit further in <laughs> in the um, in the NCAA um, tournament, right? Um, right now, my pick, my personal pick, would be Kid. It would be Kid. He's even averaging more points. But like Jordan alluded to, it, then the Pistons are on a winning team. The Cavs are, and he mentioned Jordan. You did mention like um, the fact that he came in and like. Um, Evan Moby, that is, and turn the franchise around. But he still has, like, Jared Allen and Darius Garland. He still has these guys, I wouldn't say seasoned veterans, but still very good players who are actually leading, leading um, a, a bit ahead of him is Garland, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, the guys who are ahead of him in scoring. Mind you, he's still averaging 14.9 points per game, which is still all obviously really good. But then there's Mike Kidd, who's on 15 margins, margins again, right? But Kidd is, is like the leading scorer, or is he second in, in the Pistons team? But again, with a team that is almost one of the worst in the league, I mean, it's, it's, it's a rookie award, so it, it is possible still that Kidd could win it. But I think Evan Moby has a better shout based on how things are panning out with their teams now. To win it by the end of the season. My pick is Kid, though. Personally. 
My pick is Cade. I've been a Cade fan from Oklahoma, like I said. So if I had a vote, Cade. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll reserve my vote for for Rookie of the Year until the next time that we, we broach this conversation. Um, I know that one of the things that definitely helps rookies is opportunity. And both of these players went into teams that were not that good. And especially in the case of Mobley, the fact that Connor Sexton went down meant that there was more points for him to have to score. That definitely helped. Kid, he went into the worst team in the league. So you got to do, you got to put those bootstraps on and get some things going as quickly as possible. I'm, I'm sorry, he's he's third. I know you're not good. I, I, I don't want to be misquoted. Jeremy Grant and, and Sadiq Bey, actually. Yeah, yeah. But but it's all it's all really close. Jeremy Grant is 16.1. Kid and Sadiq Bey actually are level on 15.3, like joint second um, top scorers for that team. But you yeah, know how the cookie crumbles. It's true. I'm just glad, though, that we don't have a situation like Ben Simmons, who should have been ineligible to win Rookie of the Year when he won Rookie of the Year. I will never let that go. All right. And then lastly, for this week's episode, is the Coach of the Year. And uh, Jordan, again, who is your pick for Coach of the Year this season? Uh, it's, this is a really difficult one. And similar to the MVP, I'm going to stick with one conference for the two options that I think we've really got. But it's not the East this time. So out West, it's between Monty Williams, I think. Is it, is it Taylor Jenkins, who's Grizzlies coach? I think so. I think, I think so. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with that anyway. So I think it's between yeah. Monty Williams and Taylor Jenkins. And... The only thing that could be, even though it shouldn't be, and it's probably stupid that it is this way, but voters are going to say, well, Monty Williams was pretty much as good as this last year. He's not improved as much, uh, even though it should just be on what he's done this season. And for me, he's been the best coach in the league. They are also going to take a look at that Grizzlies team that snuck into the playoffs last year through the playing tournament They've got virtually the exact same team, and now this season they're fighting for the for the first seed. And it is a massive. He's a young coach as well. Monty Williams has been around the league, and these are all things that voters are going to think. Oh well, you know that's that's a benefit for him, even though it shouldn't really make a difference because they're still being judged on the performances, and that's how he should be judged. But you know the narrative always plays into it. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to split them right now, but whoever clinches that one seed, that for me should be the coach of the year. And as I said earlier, I believe that will be the Phoenix Suns. So I would say Monty Williams should win the coach of the year this year. Uh, I know AJ said it before, but I'll give him a chance to say it again. So AJ, coach of the year. I, yeah, so as, as you know, I again, I'm in agreement with Jordan's point because I did mention it in a previous segment. And I give a bit more analysis on it saying that if, if, if Monty, after this injury, and, and mind you, it shouldn't come down only to this. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if at this point he can still navigate this team to that top spot, essentially what Jordan was saying, to that top spot in, in the West, he deserves it. But I'll, I'll even go a step further and take it off 
of, uh, on a completely different tangent, right? Monty Williams deserves this just because he didn't get it last year. He was robbed last year of it. I don't <laughs> care nothing about no Tom Thibodeau and New York Knicks from last... Nah. <laughs> Look, it's a good thing I'm not a voter because there'll be no sort of credibility or... You know what? I, I would put some analysis into it, as I just did. But I think Monty Williams has been the best coach in the league for at least these last few, two seasons, and it would be a crying shame if he doesn't walk away with at least one Coach of the Year award. They didn't give it to him last year. He deserves it this year. All right. Well, I am not going to argue. I am not going to bear any counterpoints to either of you gentlemen today because my analysis of this will come at a later time. I mean, it doesn't make sense we both giving all of our points on this, AJ, when chances are this conversation is going to come up again. Sure, and, sure. Yeah, so you've been placed on record. I'll jump on the record <laughs> next time. So that is a great landing spot for this week's episode. Uh, Jordan, so glad that you could wake up and be with us because it is really early in the morning where you are. Yeah, Let us know it's, where they can find you. It's, cool. it's a four in the morning in the minute, so I'm going to get straight to bed after this. Uh, so, yeah, I want to swear, George underscore MA, I think you linked me on the thing. I think, mind you, the actual thing is I made a mistake, another mistake, because it's actually two underscores, and I didn't realise until afterwards, because that's my, my username for all the other apps that I use apart from Twitter. So, but anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh, Instagram, George underscore MA, uh, either of those places, that's where you can find me. Usually talking about the Celtics or ranting about something. So that's usually where you can find me. But it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me anyway. Yeah, thanks for, thanks, for, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, it was fun. We're glad that Definitely. you joined us. Definitely. And, well, we'll see if, you know, sometime down the line, if we can work out something where it's not, you know, so ridiculously early in the morning for you. So that you can... Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so that is the end of another edition of the Green Beige podcast. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. You can find the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, including Apple Podcasts. As always, that is AJ joining us this week with Jordan Williams out of jolly old England. I am Ken the beige half of the green beige podcast and we will see you next time